I find last year quite difficult because of watching a lot of cinema for work, but not at the cinema. And I really miss actually that experience. And I think it might have made a difference if I'd have seen some of those films on a big screen. Hello, welcome to This Is My Cinema, the podcast from the British Independent Film Awards, where we explore the cinema experiences that have defined the lives of some very special guests. I'm Rihanna Dillon. And I'm Michael Leader, and here we like to take our guests back in time to the cinemas that shaped them, and then we curate with them the perfect cinema trip. Yep, we want to know what their favourite films are, what their favourite cinemas are, and what their favourite cinema snacks are as well. And in this episode, we've got an amazing guest with a role in film that's quite different to anyone we've spoken to before. Absolutely. So we spoke to casting director Aisha Bywaters, who has had a huge role on some of the best British productions of the last few years. I was really excited to hear about The Last Tree, Dirty God, one of my favourite TV shows in recent years, (laughs) Lady Parts, which honestly, Michael, have you seen it? It's Fantastic. It's so funny. I clearly need to catch up, Rihanna, or I think you're going to have my neck. (laughs) (laughs) Watch it. (laughs) But of course, also, Aisha worked on County Lines as casting director on that film, casting Conrad Khan, the young kid who was nominated for Best Newcomer at the Biffers this year. So here she is, Aisha Bywaters. Aisha Bywaters, thank you so much for joining us today. So this is my cinema, and for the duration of our conversation, this is your cinema. And we like to start things off with our wonderful fairy tale fantasy setup. You can have a cinema for an evening to show us any film of your choice. Does a film come to mind for that fairy tale setup? Does a film come to mind? I think if I could watch any film, I would watch a film called Chico and Rita. I don't know if you know it, it's a Spanish animation and I just think it's the most beautiful film about lost love and I really love it. So that is what I will, that is what I would watch. Every time I watch it, it just makes me smile and the music, they go to Havana and I feel like I'm there. So yeah, that is the film that I would watch. That's a really beautiful film. How did you come across that? That's quite a discovery. It was a bit of a sort of festival indie film, wasn't it, when it came out at the time? Yes, it was. So I think I watched it at a festival, basically, and was just mesmerised by it. I'm always like, they should make a live-action version, but they shouldn't. It should be just as it is. <laughs> they shouldn't do that at all. I just can see it, I can smell it, I can... I just... It, I just love it. I just... My old boss used to get distressed because I spoke about Chico and Rita quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Was this the film that you'd recommend to every single person that crossed your path? Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's just this little sort of indie film, but I just think it's so beautiful. I have a graphic novel of it now that I can look at. Wow. Um, How many times have you seen it? Not like loads and loads. I've seen it like five times. I've seen lots of films more times, but I think that's sort of on purpose as well. I, I just, it, it feels really special to me and I just really, I love their love story and I love the use of music. So that is the film that, that I would I would watch. Do you have a place in mind, a cinema, a venue that we could watch it in? Yes, I suppose now it just gets a bit more usual. I'd, I'd watch it at the Ritzy in Brixton because hey. that's, that's my favourite cinema. <laughs> it's a cinema I've been going to since I was a little girl. I know every screen. I've got memories everywhere there. 
And I suppose as well, Chico Reese is a film about, he's remembering this love story. So yeah, I think that would be the perfect place for me to watch it. So that's, that's my favourite cinema. I feel at home whenever I'm there. And then amazing things have happened. Like I worked on a film called The Last Tree and I, I went, the first time I saw it was at the Ritzy. So it's just, it's just a really special place to me. So let's mine some more of those memories. So when you were going to the Ritzy when you were little, what were you watching then? Five All Goes West, American Tale. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I watched Titanic there. I watched, you know, all my childhood, uh, watching a prophet there with my friend who was just really tired so she fell asleep. And she, it was like such a good film and we were all so angry. <laughs> and yeah, she fell asleep and people were telling her to wake up because I was just like so engrossed in this film and, and she, yeah, she was just, she didn't need to, to watching Save the Last Dance I watched. It. I remember watching that there vividly and just being, yeah, I just love it. And I love that main screen and how grand it is and how, and you just can think of all the things that have been shown there in the past and it, it just feels like it's got so much history. So while you were watching these myriad films, which all sound very iconic and brilliant way to be introduced to films through discovering them yourself, which were the films that made you think, oh, actually, I want to work in this industry? The film that I think is most important to me is Romeo and Juliet, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. It just blew my mind. <laughs> I just couldn't believe what was happening. My mum is a voice teacher now. She's been an actress when I was little and she's been the Royal Shakespeare Company for a while. So I sort of had watched Romeo and Juliet by Franco Zeffirelli. I'd, I'd seen like much to about nothing and I'd seen a lot of Shakespeare at the theatre. And But even as a kid, I found it quite accessible, but lots of people didn't. And this was just, it could it opened it up to the world it, and I just couldn't and I'd seen lots of different versions of Shakespeare already which I was quite lucky to have but I just had never seen it done in this way in this when they're talking about swords and daggers and bringing out guns and then it goes straight in and there's a close-up of the word sword on the I just and the casting like what a diverse group of it just that's a film that made me think that anything was possible and that I had to be a part of this industry. And I think especially casting because it was so, I, f I found it so powerful, that casting. And was it the combination of big names as well, like these A-list stars, as well as kind of how representative it was, which we didn't necessarily often see on the screen, especially when Shakespeare adaptations were? Involved. Yes. No, I think com completely that. It, it's everything ab about it. It's the mixture of, because that's what's really clever about it as well, isn't it? And I suppose also this idea that I've always tried to think about when I'm casting as well, it felt like it was the best people for the roles, that that's what it came down to, whether they're a big star or someone you'd never seen before. So you could just get involved in the story. And it was extraordinary. So then suddenly, like, Pete Pothelwaite just appears. Or do you know what I mean? It's like, what's... It's, so, yeah. Some of those performances, I mean, I think we're of a similar generation. So I, Harold Perrineau's Mercutio will never be topped in no, my mind. Because it was, it was such an impressionable age seeing him perform it and brings a different energy maybe to what you'd see or expect to see in a Shakespeare adaptation. And it's still something people talk about now is how deep that cast is mm. and how strong it is. So many good performances in there. Because I suppose when you're a kid and you're watching films, you don't think about how 
these are actors cast in roles. I don't know how. I wish I could remember what I thought age nine about how films were put together, whether they were all just there behind the screen <laughs> acting it out <laughs> or not. But there must be a point where we realise that there is that chess game of bringing actors and roles and bringing it all together. And you're saying that Romeo and Juliet is the one where you realise that there are these different options you could have. And maybe then the reality of how many decisions need to go into that comes later. But is that the film that kickstarted that in your brain? Yes, I totally think it kickstarted in my brain that people made choices. And this didn't just all just sort of happen. <laughs> because the choices were so different from any I'd seen before. And then to start to think about it and then be like, oh, okay, so Romeo and Juliet's by the same person that made Strictly Ballroom. So all those things started to happen for, for me. And then it took a little bit longer, but around my mid to late teens, I started to get very opinionated about who was and wasn't in films and who was cast in films and how I thought that was the wrong actor and they should have picked this other actor who'd give a better performance. So it was all leading to me to this place of casting because all my friends were like, you need to calm down. Like... <laughs> <laughs> But I sort of didn't know. I didn't know how to articulate it for quite a while. But who who were the actors then you were saying, this actor needs to be in more films at that age? Certainly there are people whose careers you you followed. Watching things like 10 Things I Hate About You, but knowing Heath Ledger's like a really good actor, seeing that something different is happening. He's doing mm. something different from everyone else already. And it's just stuff like that. And then being, because that's what I think is the amazing thing about loving actors and watching their performances is that you know you can see these people's careers you can see sort of this journey of their life and choices that they make and times they choose to be brave or step outside their box or so that's why I truly love my job because you get to be part of that journey with people and think about them and be like oh they've never tried that I wonder if they'd like to and it's cool if they don't or I've always seen them this way so that's what I really have always enjoyed about cinema is, is watching people. Romeo and Julia, that's Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, it's just, it's so mad. And then now you can be with children and, and they, they like whatever acting. You could be like, oh yeah, when I was a kid, they were in this or it's just all these things. And then start to talk about memories using sort of cinema. It's just, yeah, I, I just find it wonderful. So if you see somebody, you see an actor, you love their performance and you think, I need to work with that actor, I need to get them into a film in the future. How does that thread work? How does it line up? Do you try and find a film that you can fit with the actor or are you, it might be years down the line where you suddenly think, oh, this person from ages ago. You just watch people love their performances and then hope that something comes along. That the, the, the thing is not all work suits everyone, I think, or, or they'll want to be in. So sometimes you just feel so lucky that you finally get to work with X or X that you've always admired. They're always on your radar. And then vice versa, but you might have cast someone and they go on to do this and then you're just like watching that trajectory being like, I can't believe that our paths ever crossed. I don't believe that a lot of the work I do ever turns out, ex those ideas that you do day one <laughs> when you sit down with the director and producer, it's very rare that that's as, as easy as it is. It's its own journey. And that's kind of half the fun, is sitting there watching that film and remembering the journey that you went on to, to get this cast. And how does that work then? Looking back at some of the films you've been casting director on, they are there are lead roles where it's really been a discovery. It's not like you're casting Leonardo DiCaprio in every role. It's sometimes people who've been in very few 
on-screen performances beforehand. I think of Conrad Khan in County Lines. How does it work then? How do you get that excitement when you're not seeing them on the big screen and you're working from other means? It's incredible. <laughs> Conrad walks in a room and he does so little, but he does so much and he is that character and you're just like, I, I can't believe that you found them. Because in some ways, it, casting well-known actors is great, but you don't get to see them read any material. So being in a room and seeing someone, and so having this idea, and sometimes my job is to, to help the director find their vision. So that moment when you sit there and you're all just like, this is it, this is the thing that we couldn't articulate. He is, or she is doing this, like it's, it's truly amazing. So, yeah, for me, that's the best feeling. Like, being in castings anyway is, is the best feelings. It's like watching the cinema for hours and hours. of it's, it's a joy for someone like me. And even when someone isn't right, they do something interesting. You know, it's never a wasted moment, whoever's in the room. Yeah, I, I find that so much better. I just suppose there's the fear along the way. <laughs> I, I wish it wasn't true, but I've just had this recently where there was a moment where... I was like we're not going to find it it's just it's not there it doesn't exist and then and then it happens again <laughs> you're like oh my god believe it happened again <laughs> but but it was just like it's been months we can't we've done everything <laughs> and then it's suddenly there there's sort of no feeling like it and then there's the fascination of what what is everyone else gonna think does that translate because it doesn't always so you have to sort of be ready for that, basically. You know, know that the decisions you made were the right ones at that moment, at that time. I think a film that really stayed with me and the one that I sort of told everyone about who crossed my path at the time when I saw it, I watched it in Peckinplex, was The Last Tree, which you've already mentioned. So working with Shola Ramu to kind of find the, the kind of the role of Femi must have been such a fascinating experience. Well, The Last Tree is an interesting one. I didn't cast Sam, so Shaheen Bake cast Sam because she was working on... So I used to work for Shaheen Bake mm-hmm. for many years and she's sort of an extraordinary sort of mentor and teacher. And she was casting that film and then she be- became busy because sometimes with independent cinema it can take a while to get off the ground. So Sam was cast and attached a year before they actually were ready to shoot. So then she was like, I'm working on this film, it's great, but it's busy in my office, would you like to sort of come on board? So I came to it with him already attached. I had never worked with him before, but I had met him many times at castings, and he's a wonderful actor, so that's quite nice, so that's quite interesting, because you're already sort of excited. Then it was the challenges of finding the rest of the cast, and casting around him. I must admit that through that casting experience, it really was a process of talking things through and collaboration and it, it's, it wasn't always, and it, it sort of never is that you're on exactly the same page. There are many ways to do something. So it's just, it's talking things through, it's talking about how we see characters, what certain actors we're meeting, bring to the role. Like it was a long search to find the young version. And then there's always things like, do they look enough alike? Do they, and, it, and it, so it's how do you, how do you find it? So there's that thing which I really love about Moonlight, how they don't look that alike, but it's about their eyes and it's something in all their eyes. And it's true. So it's like, how are we going to go on this journey of making? And I, and I think you don't, 
mind at all and and they do have something similar and a, and a similar energy but it is it's it's a it, it's a real collaboration always but ultimately i would always say my job is to facilitate their needs it's not it's not my film mm. and nor do i want it to be I'm, I'm a part of the puzzle so how do i help you find what you're looking for and sometimes we're going to go off in the wrong direction but it will lead us because sometimes finding out what we don't want will lead us to what we do. So we searched all over for that boy and we're really lucky to, to find Ty. Mm. But yeah, that was a real collaborative process. And Jean was involved as well for the rest of the time, sort of overseeing everything. So it was really nice. You mentioned that The Last Tree had a premiere at the Ritzy mm-hmm. and you were talking there about how sometimes an actor walks into a room and you you are convinced and then you've got to then hope that it translates onto the big screen and other people are convinced as well so what's it like when you're there in as part of one piece of the puzzle at a premiere watching it on the big screen with an audience for the first time with the roles that you've cast on screen it's amazing i suppose what's weird about my job is that you're not really privy to a lot of it so if you cast a film you sort of cast it and then it's like everyone goes away on like a fun summer camp but you don't go and then you see them all again and they're all like best mates and they have this amazing ride together and no one really knows who you are apart from the car. So everyone's like, who the hell is she? So you can see it with really fresh eyes because you don't have all that, you know, this, I remember it took us so long to get this taken, la 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 la. So I'm just having a lovely time being like, oh yeah, that's... And also it's never what it was. No audition is ever the same as, as what you see on screen. It's sort of always an, an amazing experience and always feels like it's come on so much from what you've left to go and make them make. I really enjoy it. And for me, sometimes you speak to the actors and they're all like, thanks for the job, thanks for the... And I'm always just so proud because, yes, you did give someone a job, but then they ran with it. You pick a couple of scenes to get a job. You don't read every line in the script. So all that work is is their work. And I'm not trying to diminish my job or my craft. I'm just saying it has grown and evolved so much. And, and that's on them and the director and, you know, everyone else who's on set making that happen. So I really like that part of it, that you're slightly removed. And I've learned to try and be quite honest if I think it did or didn't work. Because that doesn't take away from the experience. Are you able to recognise other casting directors' styles? Like if you kind of if you're watching a film and you think, oh, I bet I know who cast that person. Or do casting directors have almost like a stamp or a type? I think so. I, I think that most of us could probably tell others others' work after a while. Also, you'll start to see that people like certain actors, either types of actors or or literal people. But yes, I think you can totally tell when you watch the work of Nina Gold or Lucy Pardy. And then they've got different things going on. I once worked on a film Lucy worked on, Lucy Pardy, called Dirty God. So she cast the lead and then, again, it took a while. And then I did the rest of the casting and it was a bit like, that's interesting because I don't think that our casting styles are very similar. But it did work on that occasion. And we met up and had a chat afterwards of just like, how did you do this? And how did you do Because we have different styles. So I find that really fascinating. And I love learning from other casting directors. And because they do different things, they find people different ways. There's so many different ways to do this job. 
So uh, I love seeing how they cast and the decisions they make and when they're really brave. And lots of their work, I don't think I could, like, I couldn't, I can't, I can't cast like Lucy. I can't go on the streets. I'm not very good with people like that. I'm quite shy. I'm quite, I don't think it would, do you know what I mean? So yeah. That doesn't come across at all in this, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. But yeah, so it's just fascinating because that's not how I how I go about it and it, it, it sort of motivates you I think mm. to do your best work so yeah I'm really honoured to be surrounded by by these people and, and what they do. Like with so many so many things social media has had such a big influence I think on film in so many ways how has it had an impact on casting because you put things on your Twitter that you're looking for a certain person or group of people whatever so does that ever kind of come to fruition how does that work if people aren't coming through agencies it works so well I think it it's gonna work on maybe two projects at the moment that they're gonna come from that obviously all it's done is replace traditional street casting right back in the day you used to be like right I'm gonna walk the streets of Peckham and go into barber shops because I'm looking for like young black boys. I'm gonna ask if anyone's got a son, if anyone's got a brother, if anyone's got a, and it's fine, but that is also, it takes a lot of time. Whereas this is such a, such a quicker way. And now people follow you because they know that you're gonna put something up again or, and it's become this quite nice network as well where casting directors will retweet other casting directors and so everyone's helping everyone. So it works really well. I think because you've got, your social media, your Twitter, your Instagram, you've got a website. Before you'd sort of hand out a business card and be like, I am a legitimate person. It's just, you, you can go look at the website, see the work I've done, see that this is a legitimate project. It's a great way to reach people. It makes it accessible in terms of going to drama groups and things. Yes, some were free, but, but, but some you have to pay for, some you have to, so it means anyone can have a go. I think it's a, an amazing, amazing tool and it, it works really, really well. Yeah, I just, I really like it. I really like it for that purpose in terms of, of casting. And also with the pandemic, it's harder to get into schools. They've got other things going on, let alone letting me in to look at children. Again, they can tweet or send it out or, and then, so it's been really helpful over the past year. It's been really busy over the past year but you haven't been allowed to, I mean, imagine trying to street cast now, people would be horrified. You're like, yeah. your mask, let me see. <laughs> <laughs> Just to take this back to cinema going experiences for a second, I feel like we've got such a good sense of Fievel Goes West as a kid. <laughs> and that teenage period where you were almost being a casting director before you knew really what it was. What's, your routine like now when you're watching films? I imagine you have an amount of films you have to watch for the job, but then also what do you like watching as well? I'm very, very lucky and I watch a lot of cinema. I find last year quite difficult because of watching a lot of cinema for work, but not at the cinema. And I really miss actually that experience. And I think it might've made a difference if I'd have seen some of those films or on a big screen for me. But I really like things like the squid and the whale. I really like just watching things that are about families and just allow themselves to unfold. So that's sort of my favourite sort of cinema where I just get to watch. The actors just are allowed to act and be. That's what I really, I really enjoy. The last thing that I saw at the cinema for fun was In the Heights. 
which was nice. good fun. So I went <laughs> to, I've got an 11 month old son. So we took him to baby cinema. So that was really nice to start someone else's cinema journey. <laughs> <laughs> and he was mesmerized to be fair. Like, you know, there's music, there's, and just, just didn't know what was going on. This, this massive screen, <laughs> the lights were down, but he responded to it really, really well. So that was really, really exciting. I just like most things. I think you learn something all the time, whatever you see. And I really enjoy that experience of going to the cinema. And I really love speaking to people <laughs> about sort of what they've seen and what they've liked. And if they like something that I didn't, why? Mm -hmm. If I can learn something from that, I'll just be like, oh, I never thought about it like that. So, so that's sort of my favorite thing. And I, yeah, I didn't realise how much I've missed cinema until I started going again. Yeah, that sort of anticipation in the pit of your stomach when all the lights go down and you know that whatever's going to happen in the next 90 minutes or 120 minutes or <laughs> 380 yeah, minutes, yeah. That, that you are just going to be sort of taken out of yourself, which I think we all are in desperate need of at the moment. Which is I so think lovely. so. And just like having can just happen and just all these films and it's like, oh, there's so many films to see or yeah. it's just it's so it's exciting. Really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> what other aspects of filmmaking would you be interested in? Who would you shadow for a day if you weren't doing casting? Something that I'm really interested in is sound. Mm. Once I was, I did a, a talk and it was different people who worked on a film and I was just listening and was just like, I can't believe this is what you do. I can't believe that, you know, you the way that you live your life and the things that you hear and then think about how they could be used to create sounds. And I just thought it was amazing. I also worked on a film and I worked for Gene called Barbarian Sound Studio, which was a bit about oh that as God. well. Great film, yeah. So, and also, the, yeah, the sound design is phenomenal. The Foley yes, aspect yes. of that. So I just find that so interesting so yeah that's something that i would be because i i struggle on sets basically whenever i go on a set visit i just can't believe how long like i'm just so in awe it's like again I have to do it again <laughs> they're done so so there's lots of jobs that i couldn't do because i clearly don't have the patience but yeah that foley aspect i just I find fascinating. I'd love to know more. Last question from me is Lady Parts was so special and the cast were insanely good and everyone, it felt like everyone was talking about it for such a long time and you obviously worked on the short, I think, and then the show. So can you tell us about, you know, how you put those two together, I suppose, and how you worked with needed to sort of make that into a bigger phenomenon from the short we all just went about it in the same way from the beginning we used social media again to try and find some of those girls the cast changed because it it, it took quite a long time for it for it to happen if it was quicker i'm sure some of that cast might have stayed the same you knew you had a good piece of material needed sort of amazing to work with and I've worked with her on some other projects as well so we had a really nice and have a really nice relationship but it was just about finding those girls and just trying and trying again for whatever reason it couldn't work out with someone previously cast to to find them they just had to be really 
unique and like people that we hadn't seen before. You know, that story's not been told before. Sometimes you just have to search and search and search and search and search. And actually with that project, I never thought we wouldn't find it because sadly, there are so many wonderful actresses that are not being explored because of the material that sometimes we have. So it was amazing to give them the opportunity and amazing, and the response has been absolutely amazing and the way it's resonated with people because it, it, it really, really resonates with me. But you just don't, like I've said before, you just don't know. And that seems to sort of be, be coming across. But that was a weird, you know, that was supposed to film from April. So 2020, so lockdown happened and then it started again in in August 2020. And between that time, we lost some cast and it sort of always got a raw deal. <laughs> so it's really nice that it, it sort of worked out. But it, yeah, it was just seeing a hell of a lot of people because I had to play the instruments and so there were other things to, to factor in. But it was so much fun. It was such a great job. And that comes from the team that you're working with. And they were such a wonderful team. So at Asia, we're at the Ritz scene. We were watching Chico and Risa, but then the question that's always on our lips at the end of these interviews is, what are we eating and drinking? What's your ideal cinema snack? Or do you not like snacks at all? Okay, because, yeah, I just think you guys are going to be like, what's her problem? So I'm going to eat <laughs> some, like, I'm going to eat some popcorn. I'm going to either eat, my dream would be, like, sweet and salt mixed. That is my dream come true. Mm-hmm. If not sweet, I can't handle just salt popcorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just going to drink some water, okay? Some still water. No judgment here. I cannot drink alcohol in the cinema. I don't understand it. It makes me very tired and confused. <laughs> <laughs> and fizzy drinks make me too hyperactive. I need to concentrate. I've told you guys how serious this is for me. I need to watch the film. And I'm going to finish the popcorn before the film starts. Because I'm that excited. <laughs> so that's what that's what I'm up to. A woman of simple pleasures. Aisha, thank you so much for speaking with us. It was such a pleasure. Really nice speaking to you guys. Thank you. Aisha was such a great guest and it was so lovely to hear her passion for the Ritzy in Brixton, which is somewhere I've hung out at. I walk past loads as well. I love sometimes just sitting outside the Ritzy, watching people go in and out. It's a really great place to people watch. And it's really lovely to hear her talking about her going from a very, very young age to still going now. That is a lifetime love of one cinema, which is pretty rare, I think. Yeah, and different from some of our previous guests who maybe have their local little cinema when they're kids or the big multiplex and then their uni cinema and then their cinema when yeah. wherever they land as adults. And also, Aisha was a bit different from other guests in the sense that she's a casting director. She works casting real people in live action films. And what film does she pick for us to show? Chico and Rita, <laughs> a really great anime gem from a few years ago. Now I haven't seen this but your reaction to it and the way that she talked about it made me I mean it shot to the top of my must see list. Absolutely so I'll watch We Are Lady Parts and you'll watch Chico and Rita. Fantastic it's a deal if you had a good time with us on this episode then head back to our feed to listen to more guests chatting about their ultimate cinema experiences Thanks for listening. Bye 
This Is My Cinema is a Little Dot Studios production for Biffa. The show is hosted by Rihanna Dillon and Michael Leader. It's produced by Jake Cunningham, Ellie Aitken and Harold McShiel. And we're edited by Content Is Queen. Content Is Queen.